Welcome back to another episode of the Jones Chronicles, where we're going to talk a little this and that. It has been a very hot week. I do not enjoy summer at all. I know some people, that's their jam. Not me. Not I. I'm upset. I'm really upset. I got a mosquito bite right on my back. It's a huge sucker too. And I get terrified when I get mosquito bites. They can carry malaria. Sure, it's probably in a South American rainforest, but we don't know. We don't know when that shit just hops species. I don't know. Always despise. And it just takes forever. And you want to itch it because it feels so good when you itch it. But it just makes you want to itch it more. (laughs) So last night was a struggle. I think I solved the issue of the background noise in my recordings that's been bothering me. I thought I fixed it and it was just simply me playing with my hair and it was picking up that backdrop. But then I looked at my mic cord and it didn't look like it was in the best of shape so i switched it out hopefully that will assist and i put my little foam thing on because also i've been hearing a lot of thumps in the microphone and i hate it i hate when i hear it so i know i don't love when others have to hear it from me no one has graciously jumped down my throat about it but I do, I do strive (laughs) for quality. I do try to make my efforts. I'm sitting in anticipation in two weeks so I can get a bidet. I've never been so ready to liberate myself from toilet paper in my life because probably this is the only time that it's crossed my mind, but I, 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 watched a video and the benefits versus the continuous toilet paper panics that's happened over the generations has convinced me I'm missing out and it's ridiculously cheap like I thought it would be four hundred five hundred dollars it's like 40 fucking bucks So did y'all hear about Danny Masterson? I knew that there were accusations. And of course, like everyone, they have a tendency to come out and say, this is bananas. Of course, these people are lying because I don't feel that any, like I, I would love to see the day that someone be like, yeah, you caught me. It got me. Put on the handcuffs. Send me to jail. I deserve what I'm about to know. They're going to fucking say, how dare you come after me due to my fame. I could not have possibly molested you because I am famous. And you are just someone. But no, Topher Grace, apparently was trying to warn y'all 
that this was not a good dude. So dumbass, don't be quiet now. Everybody's talking about how he was vindicated because now the people that did have egg on their face and that's the same thing with the people that jumped out the woodwork to support bill cosby no nah, let the let the law do their job sit back and wait there's there's nothing to gain except to the other person for you supporting them especially if i got my bread on the line like uh i don't no matter how much i think i know you i will never really know you you know you can never be shocked. Just just put that good 15% cynicism in your relationship with people. Like there's a 15% chance you're going to turn into a murderer. Now that can decrease over time, that percentage. But I think it should be a given for everyone you meet. <laughs> the possibility is there somewhere and you cannot be surprised to the point that you refuse to believe it's true and now he has been convicted of 30 years 30 years in prison for drugging and the r word two women a third one unfortunately there wasn't enough evidence so that was a mistrial and they don't plan to retry it that's weird though that he was cursed out so for grace because he didn't want to hang out with the people after work i'm sorry but i don't fucking hang out with my coworkers after work nor do i want to why should that be something that's against me for not wanting to hang out that's that's a See, that's that bullying type of behavior or that group mentality behavior where if you're not part of them and what they got going on, then you're against them. And it's such a stupid idea. It's like, no, I don't. I, I work with you. We do a job together. If we happen to, if we happen to develop a, a friendship, that's great, but it's not necessary <laughs> for me to do the thing I'm showing up to do, which is my job. Like I said, who had egg on their face is Mil Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, because they was writing support letters and shit. That's when you just, you know, then they're going to have to apologize. Why, why are you apologizing? Why are you apologizing? We know that you chose to trust your friend instead of allowing the truth to be what is the leading factor. I mean, I kind of felt there was a lot of evidence in which I would not personally have written those letters. <laughs> so it just, it, it goes to show that people will just like we saw at the Oscars, stand by the wrong people based on their alleged friendship. These are all actors. Everyone has deception written in their job title. 
Mitch McConnell, did y'all see him struck out on live TV? Was I the only evil person that took some type of satisfaction when it happened? Your shit is terrible. Shut the fuck up. And no, not because I got some type of kink seeing old men suffer. Even though one would argue that particular old man would just be getting karma. But I thought this was going to be what we needed to finally wheel his ass out this seat. But no. But no, his doctor cleared him. Saying he is perfectly all right. (laughs) You serious? I would like to see your bank statement, sir. (laughs) Ain't no doctor in a right damn mind. Dr. Google even would freaking diagnose that shit. Come on. This guy has been sitting in his position of power for so long. And someone else made a comment because someone made a good point on social media that there should be term limits for some of these offices and that there should be a competency or an age limit. And I believe that's true. I think that having people in power for decades dominating, creating a what we what we tried to get away from from the early 1900s, which was the robber barons, the people that would monopolize a certain area so that nothing progressive can ever happen. And that's what some of these old men, oh, cankerous freaking boogers of existence And our government are, and he's the epitome of that. So every time I keep seeing his Mr. Potato Head face being put together, I want him to be knocked out of the pedestal and sent down to hell where he belongs. (laughs) Or at least... To the nearest nursing home. Even his own home. I don't care. Remove him from office. I don't care if he's whispering in the next one replacement's ear. Relieve us at least from the face that is. I know everyone used to drag people on social media that took joy when the queen died. And I was like, you know, not my dog, not my fight. Because if you have been done wrong by certain people, and I mean wrong to the point that they're trying to absolutely utterly alienate your freedoms, then you can't speak on how that person reacts to that person's suffering or demise because as I've stated once and I'll state it again there are some people in this world that simply make the world better when they're removed from it these are just the facts you gotta be ashamed of yourself nigga real talk you gotta be ashamed of yourself all that you is before we get into some history about the Tamil Kings an Indian and Ethiopian, I believe, is what I researched. 
let's talk about the mother of a 10 year old Mississippi boy who was arrested for urinating in public. She is demanding an apology from the officers involved and that they should be fired for arresting him. Apparently, if you're a child in Mississippi, it's okay to run around outside with no shoes on and nothing but a diaper smelling like boink. That's perfectly legal for all the white children to do while the parents sit inside. (laughs) But God forbid a child, a 10 year old decide, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and take a leak over here this is ridiculous they put him they arrested him arrested him sure go up to him and say young man that's not where you whip out your penis you know in in a couple of years it's gonna be crime that's that's a natural response but putting him in cuffs in the back of a cop car and you know he was black come on now the minute we started talking about this story, you knew exactly what race this boy was. He was either black or he was brown. It's Mississippi, so he was fucking black. It was California or Florida. <laughs> Might be more of a toss-up. Racist motherfucker. It's not meant for me to understand clearly why some people take a joy and thrill from inflicting nothing but cruelty and embarrassment and humiliation upon a race for existing but it continues to be a trend there are some people that say it may be inflated via the social media and i can't pretend that there probably is some truth in that particularly if you're pushing a certain agenda or myth particularly about a certain area I get really more so than I've ever been. Not full conspiracy theorists, but I am a little, a lot more leery at the way social media is constructed to build your own fantastical narrative. And that's, that's fucking terrifying. And thus, I do think that, yeah, don't forget that everything that you know about reality doesn't happen over the internet. Go out, go places, visit, you know, get yourself involved in some culture and make up your own decisions. But to say that it's it's simply not existing to the point that it does need to be more of a topic of conversation, then you're just you're just being in denial. Let's talk about the Tamil Kings. The ancient history of Tamil Kings goes back around 6,000 years and the inception of its kin is subject verbal confrontation identified with the Aryan intrusion hypotheses. The individuals who have faith in this hypothesis bolster the view that the Tamils, why did I say it like that? Tamils have a place with the Dravidian race and were a piece of the early Indus Valley pioneers. Later, with the approach of the Aryan intrusion, the Dravidians were compelled to stay once more into the profound south, 
where they at last settled. The present-day conditions of Tamil kings Kerala, Karnataka, and Adre Padesh constitute the Dravidian culture. The three Tamil kings, or the three authorized by heaven, or world of the three, essentially called Muvindar, suggest the triad of Kola, Chera, and Pandya, who ruled the legislative issues of the antiquated Tamil nation, Tamalakam, from their three nations, or Nadu of Chola Nadu, Panya Nadu and Chera Nadu in southern India. They flagged a period of combination in political power for the Tamil individuals. They would often take up arms against each other, which seems to be a trait humanity does. There's always the outsider. Everyone becomes united when it's an outside threat to the community within, but in lack of said outside threat, well, then there's infighting, which is where America finds itself. And because it's been a couple of generations, one would say that there hasn't been since 9-11, really, an outside invader for us to congregate or unify against, we are now in a more rapidly developing a regional confrontation versus you know politically and socially when certain religious folks use this as evidence of a decaying society i point out that this is as old as society itself <laughs> it's the natural order of things but it also is beneficial because it's progressive it invented innovates change and without it we can't have that so for all that we complain about all the bullshit that happens it has to happen otherwise there's nothing to get to the root cause of making other other changes that ultimately make society better It'll never be a utopia, but it, all, it will always be able to get better. And the reason why it will never reach the utopia is because throughout our society, too, we have moments of taking steps backwards. We lost that round, but it's not over yet. You get ready for the next one. So the Tamils were duking it out with each other until the imperial time of Rajaraja. The first who joined Tamil Kam or Tamilakam under one authority. The area of the Tamil Nadu kings, or they really want me to keep saying this word, Tamilakan, and I'll say it differently every time. Tamilakam in the southeast of current India indicates proof of having had constant human residence from 15,000 BCE to 10,000 BCE. Throughout its history, traversing the early Upper Paleolithic age to present day times, this district has existed together with different outside societies. The relationship between Africa and India extends as far back as 1495 BCE. As scholars Renata Cheskowski and 
Eniska Kuzelku, nope, it's not happening, point out, quote, the first verifiable mention of trade between Africa and India can be found in the relation of the Egyptian queen Hapchatsut expedition to punt modern-day Somalia, end quote. Both scholars note that the periplus of the Erythian Sea, a Greco-Roman document describing trade routes from Egypt to the rest of the world in the 1st to 3rd century CE, includes the first recorded mention of slave trade from Africa to India. As importers brought Italian and Arab wines, olive oil, silverware, and glassware to India, so too the Paraplus advises they compiled uh, other demands of Indian kings for, quote, slave musicians and, quote, beautiful girls of concubinage, end quote. Hapshi is the Arabic term for Abyssinian, a nationality known today as Ethiopian. This term is used to describe the Africans who came to live in India, arriving as merchants and fishermen as well as slaves. City, my lord, is another Arabic term to identify the same group, but connotes an elevated status. The integration of Africans into the subcontinent took place as early as the 7th century, and such immigration continues to sustain diasporas throughout the Gujarat, Karnataka, Bombay, Goa, and Hyderabad. Anu Kumar concludes that it was, quote, slaves imported from East Africa, especially Ethiopia, that came to constitute a loyal support base for Indian rulers. Unlike the model of slavery employed on plantations in the Americas, the relationship between ruler and enslaved function less like, quote, one between a master and his slave to patron-client ties sustained by patronage and service conditions, Kumar explains. In such a system, Mangesha notes military slaves were frequently elevated to the rank of generals, administrators, and kingmakers. Later, as they fought and won their freedom, formerly enslaved Africans became chieftains and kings in their own right, if for a limited time. One being, of course, Malik Ambar. And I wish they would make a movie about this guy because he's pretty damn amazing. And he even got his own daughter married to royalty. So he essentially became the father law of the future king yeah he he's got a badass story from slavery to how he had an ethiopian army of like eighty thousand men and he's left a long mark he's only lost one battle to the mongols but in the end had the last laugh just an amazing story that we don't that we're not taught in school at any point in history about the achievements of black and brown peoples in the world particularly africans because while we are now black americans we certainly have our dna links to said history which is ours we own that as far as genetically (laughs) um and yeah there's pride in feeling that 
the story of slavery because there is that right some people make that connection which is slavery happened everywhere but slavery didn't happen the same way everywhere most slavery except for i mean not always because you had what um the spartans were doing (laughs) what one would say they would be systematically uh considered slaves their children were slaves they were owned they didn't have any rights so even to say institutionalized slavery only happened to african americans isn't correct but it's the only time in history it happened on that scale and furthermore at a time when most of the rest of the world were acknowledging this isn't okay so it's awesome to hear that on the other side of the ocean that wasn't the only story that was being played out for africans being sold into slavery one would say you probably had a chance or even a better chance depending on your situation in africa because let's stop pretending like things didn't happen there (laughs) before the colonizers showed up they just of course made things worse became the oppressors of everyone and cut everyone out of the deal the way in which the conquistadors conquistadors cut out the native americans but we never talk about the native americans that were allying with the conquistadors that actually were under the oppression they fell under the rulers that were the uh the people of touchland i can't say anything today so i don't know why i'm making myself do all these hard words but here we are here we are (laughs) back to the subject at hand though the earliest and most prominent example of a habshi rising to the rank of supreme ruler is the case of jamal ud din yakut in 1240 we know little about him neither his date of birth nor place of it his career if it can be called that began during the reign of sultan il tutmish a former slave himself of central asian origin who reigned between 1211 and 1236 as the first muslim sovereign of el tutmish's elder daughter razia ascended the throne after her father's death in 1236 and it was during her tenure as the only muslim woman to rule delhi that yakut gained prominence as the con Contemporaneous historian Gudrid Manhaj a Saraj writes, Yakut, quote, acquired Razia's favor. With Razia's support, his status at court suddenly rose, and the former Abyssinian slave, and now the keeper of the royal stables, became the closest advisors and the only confidant of the ruler, so the second, if only, person in the country razia's reign lasted less than four years and much of what we know about it comes from the 14th century scholar and explorer ibn battuta and that man got around (laughs) 
Meanwhile, in the semi-independent state of Bengal, east of Delhi, long after Yakut's death, a small Afro-Indian dynasty took root. At the same time, other members of Bengali royalty worried lest the enslaved gained too much power, especially after Yusuf's death in 1481. Tensions escalated. Yusuf's granduncle, Noruddin Sikandor Shah ascended the throne in 1481, only to be dethroned a few days later by his own brother, Jalal Uddin Fatu Shah. Fatah Shah. <laughs> had more luck as a ruler enduring until he was killed by Sultan Shahzada his Abyssinian eunuch palace guard in a rebellion in 1486 with that one act Shahzada became the four or founder of the Afro-Indian Habshi dynasty which spanned four rulers between 1486 and 1493 and was according to the two scholars name that I can't at all pronounce quote yet another example of the willpower and strength of Africans in India end quote ruling under a new title Gies Uddin Barbak Shah the first Habshi Sultan had a notably short-lived reign, just six months, but coins commemorating it remain a part of the historical record. His tenure was followed by a series of coups and murders of Habshi rulers by rival, by rival Abyssinian noblemen and aspirants. This is pretty common between the, the Indian people as well. The princes is why they actually couldn't fight off the mongols is because they could not assimilate it was a lot of infighting i believe malik ambar who i've read the most about his uh his ethiopian the one who bought him his master was murdered because he was getting too much power and then that's how malik ambar got his power by taking advantage of the infighting, the power vacuum. Most historians regard Gias Uddin Barbaksha's immediate successor, Indil Khan, the greatest of the Habshi dynasty rulers. He won public favor as the Great Avenger and took the name Saf Uddin Fares Shah, described by Pankhurst as quite a kind man who confounded his treasury officials by the largesse of his gifts to the poor. Fariz Shah is believed to have restored order to Bengal and the legacy of his short reign is evident today. A tower, the Faruz Minar, stands in the historic city of Gar in West Bengal. Like Ambar, who I keep talking and referring to, the free slave who came to be called Ikhles Khan in uh died in 1656 of Bijapur also held great influence at court given the name Malik Rahan Adil Shah he grew up serving Sultan Ibrahim Adil Shah II from 1580 to 1627 and came of age alongside the Sultan's son Prince Muhammad Adil Shah from 1627 to 1656 when Muhammad assumed the throne Malik Rahan was promoted alongside him 
Freed from his slave status, Rahan became a commander of troops, an important advisor to the Sultan. Eventually, he was named governor of a province in the border of Golconda, and in 1635, he received the title Iglis Khan, by which he was known to history. His presence as the strength behind the king is evidence in contemporary biographies as well as portraiture. Today, there are about 65,000 Africans living in city communities or CD communities in these regions in India. Such enslavement accounts for most of the Indo-African population in India today. I think this is a little bit of history knowledge that a lot of people don't think to to delve into and it does have so much rich culture and interculture that is often forgotten it's why i always laugh at the the continuous mantra for every ignorant person ever to be spoken and even some that are not quite so ignorant because there's the racist and then there's the oh i assumed uh and everyone at some point can be enlightened i would say like oh 20 years ago me would be like yeah there weren't any black people in britain in 1500s that's crazy yet there were there there were quite a bit quite a few maybe not a lot but they were there enough to you would you basically saying you walk down the street you're not going to see one or two and you might see some other races as well so it's only really hollywood who's chosen to present these historical time periods without any of the actual factual cultural diversity versus if you go into the actual history books we were there of course we were there it makes so much sense it's actually asinine to think that we weren't i read from several sources today the hapshi dynasty of india written by akan Singh, as well as hapshi and city africans in the deccan by courtney a stewart rest of my sources will be listed below definitely look further into this because it's fascinating and the descendants of those ancestors as uh, pointed out are still part of the indian culture today and considering how wonderful if not complicated of course and with its own bit of game of thrones s ambition and power struggle that it was the peoples of that that truly created a a rich history here before the brits came in and really really truly fucked everything up for india like they they don't owe them an apology they owe them half their fucking treasury If you have any ideas or comments or questions or anything else, blackercouch at gmail.com. My social media will be below. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.
hustling, hustling, hustling.